Today we chat technology in the field of law, e-discovery, and forensics with Avani Patel, Senior Strategic Solutions Director at Special Counsel. Avani received her JD from Western Michigan University Cooley Law School and is passionate about promoting the professional development of women and minorities in the legal and technology community, pro bono, and community service. Welcome, Avani Patel. Thank you for having me, Christine. This is such an honor. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go ahead and just start with the questions. Tell us a bit about yourself, your current work position, where you're from, etc. Sure. Um, Well, I am born and raised in Chicago. And in 2015, though, I relocated to D.C. And I thought I was only going to live in D.C. for a year. But I ended up living there until May of 2020. And honestly, if it had not been for the pandemic, I probably would still live in D.C. I fell in love with that city. Currently, I am in a strategic solutions um, director role at special counsel. This is just a fancy word for sales, which I love. Special counsel is the North American legal arm of the DECO group. And we have 26 offices throughout the country. We specialize in e-discovery, consulting, outsourcing, and cybersecurity. That is wonderful. Well, how did you get started in the field, specifically cybersecurity and specifically e-discovery? What does your career journey look like? Yeah, you know, I feel like I got very lucky into being in this industry. It was kind of accidental for me, but that's how my career path has been ever since my first job out of law school. So I knew very early on in my life that I wanted to be a lawyer. And when I went to college, I was a English and poli-sci major. My cousin, he's the president of Cook Biotech. He sent me a very long handwritten letter telling me that he has a lot of friends who are lawyers. And because economy is really bad right now, there are really not that many jobs for lawyers right now. And he was concerned for me. He's like, what are you going to do if you go to law school and you're not able to find a job? And my parents got a hold of this letter and a lot of people in my family encouraged me to switch my my, uh, major. And so I switched to accounting and I also added on human resources management, which I thrived in human resources management, but I kind of sucked at accounting. But I was able to fall back on my accounting degree and I started my career in taxation And I spent two years doing tax consulting work at Accenture, and I added $50,000 more in debt pursuing advanced degree in taxation law, only to realize that I hate tax law. (laughs) And so I transitioned my career into litigation, and I spent eight years being a litigator. And the last five and a half years as a litigator, I worked for a nonprofit called Chicago Volunteer Legal Services Foundation. They lost their grant in for my program in 2015. And so when I was looking for jobs again, I was only getting tax law jobs. And I knew there was no way I could go into tax law because I hated tax law. And so I had a couple friends who transitioned their career from practicing to non-practicing. They were working as legal recruiters at a recruiting agency called Major Lindsay in Africa. I looked into it. It seemed like a really cool career path. I joined Major Lindsay in Africa in 2015, and that's when I relocated to 
Washington, D.C. I loved it for a while. I did it for about two years. It's matchmaking. It's a really exciting career. At Major Lindsay in Africa, I was exposed to business development, and that seemed more aligned with what I was good at and what I was passionate about. So at Major Lindsay in Africa, there really wasn't an opening for business development, but I was connected with this awesome recruiter. Her name is Lauren Smith at Parker and Lynch. She was recruiting for a job at a legal tech company that specializes in e-discovery and cybersecurity called iDiscovery Solutions, and they were looking for a business development manager. While I was interviewing for that job, I was just looking at their website, and I completely geeked out. I had no idea how much legal technology really impacted the merits of a litigation matter. Like, legal technology can help determine, you know, who did what, where, and when in lawsuits. And I fell in love with all the services that the company did. And I wanted to educate as many attorneys and legal professionals about these technologies as possible. So about four years ago, I transitioned my career into technology, and I haven't looked back since. So tell us more about e-discovery. I think a lot of our listeners are used to technology from a coding perspective or just general IT, but not necessarily think of it from a legal manner. And you had mentioned that, you know, you didn't realize how big of an impact technology uh, makes in the legal world. So tell us more e-discovery. I guess that's electronic discovery, but tell us more about it. Yes, you're correct. It is electronic discovery. So electronic discovery simply is just a way for us to preserve, collect, review, and exchange electronic information in litigation and investigative matters. There are forensic experts, like forensic consultants, who will testify to the authenticity of a document. There are testifying experts in the e-discovery industry. There are you know, subject matter experts. That's actually a a key component in our industry. We are known for being subject matter experts in this industry. A lot of our experts are forensic consultants experts, and they do testify uh, about the authenticity of documents on a variety of issues. And uh, most of the testifying experts are actually men. And so I think this is a great area for women to be able to get into because we do need more women to be subject matter experts and testifying experts in this industry. It leads me to my next question, because you're also part of Women in e-discovery. So please tell us more about that and and your mission. Yeah, Women in e-discovery is kind of very similar to Women in Technology, two really great organizations. Their mission is for women to empower women. So Women in e-discovery, we are an international organization. There are 31 chapters and counting throughout the world. They just opened a chapter in Dubai, and I believe they're about to open a chapter in Paris. We have chapters all over the United States. I was the director of the Washington, D.C. chapter in 2019, and it's completely free to become a member. And so the Washington, D.C. chapter was a very special chapter. We had over 400 members when I was a director, and I'm sure that the membership has grown since then. During normal times, we have a vendor that will sponsor a meal and a law firm that will give us space, and we will host a panel 
to empower women. So it'll either be on technology or a professional development skill like public speaking. And the whole mission is to give women the tools that they need so that they can grow and succeed in their careers. The organization, the founders realize that leadership in technology industries, specifically legal tech, is very male dominated and it shouldn't be. There are so many women out there who are talented, have the same skills and deserve a leadership role. However, they might not have the opportunities to be seen and to be heard from as a man would. And so the organization Women Need Discovery give women that platform. I'm also the president-elect for the South Asian Bar Association Chicago chapter, and I'm also currently on the diversity committee for the Women's Bar Association in Washington, D.C., and there's an organization called the National Asian and Pacific American Bar Association, and I'm in a committee for them as well. Wow. So you're definitely very involved in many organizations that support the local community or even just regional communities. What drives your ambition and what what really inspires you to continue to grow? Getting into the tech industry is where I first realized that there are so many minorities and women that are very highly talented. We have a lot of positions in our companies, but none of them are really in leadership positions. And that is a passion of mine, is just figuring out, like, why aren't we in these leadership positions? I want to see someone like me in a leadership position because then it gives me the motivation or if I see someone like me, a woman or a minority in a leadership position, I believe that's a possibility for me as well. And so I love to do anything I possibly can to help get more minorities and more women into leadership positions. And these organizations do exactly that. They give speaking opportunities to minorities and women. They help minority and women make connections with the right people that could help them grow. They give us the tools to be able to have difficult conversations, to ask for promotions, to go for things that we might be scared to go for. These organizations definitely help me be more courageous. And that's definitely paid off for me. And I really just want want to pay it forward and do that for other minorities and other women. Yeah, pay it forward. I love that. And so what is one lesson you think you learned from a mentor? And how do you apply it every day as a woman in this field? You know, I'm very lucky if I had tons of mentors in my life. One of the biggest lessons that I've learned early on in my career was from a former boss of mine. Her name is Meg Benson. She's the executive director at Chicago Volunteer Legal Services Foundation. I was a litigator and I represented low-income litigants in a variety of different matters. And she always told me, don't ever judge my clients for any decisions that they make. I don't know what decision I would make if I was in their shoes. And that advice has resonated with me and has been applicable with me throughout my career. I am very passionate about helping minorities and women grow in their careers and really seeing diverse boards and C-suites throughout the legal tech industry. But I also use that advice not to judge why there are all Caucasian men in C-suite positions. You know, it helps me stay patient. 
it helps me like, okay, don't judge why I, they don't understand why I think there's something wrong with all men being in leadership positions. You know, it helps me stay patient. It helps me be empathetic and it helps me be able to have productive conversations that can be sympathetic to their positions, but also be able to let me be able to state my position in a persuasive way that can help women and minorities be able to get leadership positions. Yeah. And I like what you said. Don't judge because I feel like, gosh, especially in this in this environment right now, we have so much social media and it's so easy. It becomes like a habit sometimes when it's an immediate reaction to something. So um, I, I love that lesson. I think I'll take it with me as well. Yeah, I um, agree with you. I think that the shaming is really big in social media and people are scared to write or say, voice their opinions because they're scared of being shamed. That advice that I got, like, don't judge other people because you don't know how it feels to be in their shoes. That is what helps me like not shame people, acknowledge their viewpoint, but be able to have a productive conversation with them, you know, try to yeah. explain like, this is why I don't see this way. And tell people, like, we could have different viewpoints, but doesn't mean that we're both bad people. You could be a good person, but just have a different viewpoint. Right, right. I love that. And now, what advice do you have for women to continue to rise in their careers? There's plenty of opportunity for all of us. You know, I think that because there is a lack of women leaders out there, we kind of get scared that if that woman gets that position, I'm not going to get that position, right? And that is, and then we hold women, we hold each other back sometimes by doing that. But it's like, be happy when your colleague, a woman gets that position. There is an opportunity for you to grow in your career too. There are so many opportunities for all of us to grow. Let's, as women, let's continue to be allies and sponsors and connectors for each other. You know, I really love Women in eDiscovery's motto, Women Empowering Women. There are plenty of opportunity out there for all of us women. And I think that my best advice is to know that even though the legal tech industry or the technology industry in general needs to do a better job of having more women leaders in executive positions, let's celebrate each other and not uh, stand in each other's way when a woman gets an executive leadership position. One woman being successful doesn't take away from your ability to be successful. There's plenty of opportunity out there for all of us women to be successful. So let's not stand in each other's way. Let's help them grow in their careers as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. There's that quote where it's like, if one's candle is lit, it doesn't mean that yours is taken away or something like that. Like another woman's candle doesn't take yours away. I love it. So you're also part of Women in eDiscovery. You've told us more about that and your mission. What other exciting activities do you have planned for that? With Women in eDiscovery, you know, I recently relocated to Chicago and I just became a member of the Chicago chapter. And I'm very excited to be involved in that chapter. In addition to Women in eDiscovery, I told you about the other organizations that I'm active in. One of the organizations that I'm active in is an organization called the Women's Excellent Network. And with them, I am currently working on a panel 
talking about sexual harassment in the legal profession and in uh, the legal tech profession. Uh, This is something that I am passionate about. I was really inspired when the Me Too movement came out, and it was really great to see how women celebrities, you know, were really able to get the relief that they needed when they had the courage to come out. I think the Me Too movement really exposed that it's not in just the entertainment industry that harassment happens. It happens everywhere. And I do think that it is an issue in uh, legal tech because us women, we are trying to get ahead in our career. We are trying to grow, but we do have to deal with these issues of harassment. And a lot of women, they do the right things. They were coached on how to bring these topics up, but their voices are still not heard. And so I want to create a panel where we could talk about the different ways that, you know, harassment happens. What happens when you use your voice and it's still not heard? And how, as women, we can be allies to other women and help each other when we report issues of harassment? Yeah, and I think that's so important, especially in these days where we are trying to advance in our careers, but there are some men who will maybe take advantage of that. So that's fantastic. Yeah, you know, I've experienced harassment in my past and I've heard from far too many women who have as well, and they have reported the issues. And it feels like companies just want to make it go away, or they're not believing us. They're not believing the women, and that needs to change. And that's why I'm fortunate for organizations like Women in Technology and Women in Discovery and all these other organizations that are using their platforms to help drive a positive change in issues like sexual harassment and harassment in general. Yeah, kudos to you. That is such an important piece. And I think this is the first time that we've heard, um, you know, one of the guests mentioned that they're working towards something like that. I'm sure that it's being done, but to really highlight it, it's still very important. So thank you for that. Thank you. And now we have the fire questions here. So this is the fun part. (laughs) Let's see, homebrewed or Starbucks coffee? So it's so funny because pre-pandemic, I would definitely say Starbucks coffee that's one of my favorite parts of my job is meeting clients first thing in the morning at Starbucks and get catching up with them. But now that we're in the pandemic, I've become a French press girl. And Ooh. yeah, I every morning I make French press coffee. I hope to be a Starbucks girl again, though. Yes, we all do. We all do. <laughs> now, if you can invent one thing, what would it be? You know, this is a wonderful question. My best friend and her husband, they own a start a startup where they, for the longest time, they were trying to create an antibacterial screen for smart devices. And now they switched into doing more high-level technologies for surgical equipments. But I would love to be the one to invent that because I think that is something that's definitely needed. And it would be really great to, like, be able to touch our smart devices and not have to worry about all the bacteria that's on them. Yeah, I lice all mine almost yeah, every day. <laughs> especially now, especially um, these days. Oh, of course, yeah. of course. Now, if you could invite one historical figure over dinner, who would it be? I bet you this is a very common answer, but I loved learning about Susan B. Anthony. 
you know, she was a trailblazer in so many ways. And her life is just very inspiring to me. Obviously, she did a lot for us women to get the right to vote. But I learned that during her time, women had to wear those corsets, and they were like really uncomfortable and very tight squeezing. And she actually is one of the first women to say no to that. And, you know, stop wearing them and like let women be comfortable in their clothing. And then also, you know, I found it very interesting that during her time, you know, she was really adamant about women's rights and also supportive of the black community. But to get women's rights, um, it was really hard for the Black community to also be able to get their right to vote and for women to get their right to vote at the same time. So I'm just always been interested to know how she dealt with those competing interests. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that there have been some guests uh, who have answered the same way. And that just speaks in volumes of how much of an impact Susan B. Anthony has had in our society. Yeah, she has, you know. There are so many like past women leaders, all of those women leaders during the suffragist movement, you know, are just very inspiring and so grateful. And like their courage, I think, continues to help other women be courageous and continue to fight for equality. Yep, uh, absolutely. And gosh, with that said, I've certainly enjoyed this conversation and learning about e-discovery itself, electronic discovery and its mission. And let's get more women into that field. Let's definitely uh, celebrate that movement. And hopefully with your participation and your leadership and women in e-discovery, that'll happen in the near future. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be on your podcast. I've listened to um, several of these podcasts in the past, and they're just very inspiring. And Women in Technology is such a great organization. I'm really grateful to be part of this today. Thank you. And you may find Avani on LinkedIn at Avani V. Patel. That's Avani V as in Victor Patel. And until then, keep inspiring girls and women to advance from the classroom to the boardroom. 